Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 84. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my daring, inventive, and hoopy fruit who really knows where his towel is, guest co-host Angus Syme. Welcome, Angus. Wait, hoopy fruit? Did you say? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's an old Hitchhiker's Galaxies. I, no, no, I, I got it. I was just like, oh, I that's unusual. Although I did see someone said with the coronavirus that's going around at the moment. Have you seen all those people on Facebook going, you know, we all expected to look like Mad Max. Yeah. Apocalypse came down, but instead we look like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. So everyone's sitting around in pajamas, dressing gown, going, well, I'm working from home. Very true. It's very true. It's not as advertised. Films have lied to us about the apocalypse. I always find drama very weird because so much drama has this very low opinion of humans. Yeah. And I don't like over history. We have often like let, let the species down. Yeah. Very often we haven't. People have done amazing things. Yeah. Like a large portion of people, um, you know, have been entrepreneurs. They have, you know, shown the best of humanity yeah. again and again and again people you know it's like nazis did awful things but a lot of people hid jews from nazis yeah at, you know at the risk of their own lives yeah and you know it i think films tend to forget that well it's like uh... dwell on the bad if if the apocalypse films were true you know that on board like the first of those cruise liners a gang would have formed one of the guys probably with an accent <laughs> like mine would have turned dark yeah <laughs> seized control of the ship Perhaps yeah there would have been would have started yeah you no know, people are just staying in their rooms kind of you know day 36 very i long. am the captain now that would have been a ton of that <laughs> and now i am reminded of deep rising a film oh, okay. i still love it's a great film can you just i love that bit of the, in the elevator when he's like can you, you just, just get as, get as, as <laughs> it also has my favorite elevator sound joke which is the um you know, oh my God, what just happened after the elevator shuddered? He goes, I think it's the girl from Ipanema. Yeah, yeah. What was that? <laughs> what the hell is that? Girl from Yeah. Anyway, hello. All right. Wow. We haven't even talked about the movie yet. This is fantastic. All right. So what happens in this movie, uh, in this minute? Show, showdown at the OK Corral. As the Guardians continue having their life forces drained by the MCP, Flynn and Yori continue to try to control the carrier, and the MCP sends Sark back out onto the Mesa to confront Tron. Uh, so we start and end this minute with Dumont's glowing blue skeleton, which is nice. Uh, he continues to be up against the wall, moaning as his skeleton pulses blue. I mean, whatever's happening to him, that looks really painful. <laughs> Like I'm used to, I'm used to skeletons showing up briefly in quick electrocution scenes and cartoons or whatever, but to have it slowly throb like this, you know, it's like a, like a whole body toothache or something. It really, it really looks not good. So we get a, a wide shot of, uh, with the red candy cane of the MCP spinning in the foreground with the guardians and, uh, 10, we can see all lined up against the wall with circuit pathways coming up from their nooks to the MCP. Like he's got straws going into their souls and he's going to, he's going to drink them all up. Like in there, there will be blood. You know, I'd like to see the MCP. I drink your soul. I drink it all up. I, I, I feel this is like a precursor to GI Joe. You know, you like, you look at a color, you know, who's good, you know, who's bad. Yeah. 
Well, but in the original, and strangely, you look at Russia and America at the time, you know yeah. who's good, you know who's bad. We did have a previous guest on saying this was plainly an allegory for the Cold War, and I'd never seen it like that before. I was like, really? Huh. And it's it's also interesting because it's something that we've talked about a lot. But the original colors for the good guys, uh, the good guys were supposed to be yellow, and the bad guys were supposed to be blue. Really interesting. Yeah. And then they switched. Um, it up. I think that. Yeah, definitely around the time of the Cold War, it became like red bad. Yeah, red but red bad, has yeah. always had that kind of Satan. Yeah, yeah. Coloring, well, blue is more of a kind of heaven sky color. Yeah, it's also like blood, you know. And and I, I've got to say, I don't really look at this as an allegory of no communism, but no. it's it's an interesting, you know. It was a take. It was a take that I was like, oh, you know, it's because the MCP wants everything under his control, right? So everybody gets the same amount of energy, even though it's all unsatisfactory, but everybody's on the same level, right? And I'm like, dude, you're blowing my mind right now. I, don't, I, don't, I never saw it. Like, I, I salute you and want what you're drinking. Yeah, exactly. So and then we see this uh, great slash, you know, problematic shot of a close-up of the mcp a hero shot if you will its face is spinning at an incredible fast rate around the pole the hum we've been hearing starts to oscillate and slow down and we realize that part of it has been the sound of the mcp head spinning like a turbine axle this whole time it slows down and it has that great optical illusion for a second of appearing to spin in the opposite direction that it's actually spinning in like uh like tires on a car or helicopter blades before coming to a stop overshooting and then coming back to rest like whatever problems uh the space has it's very high concept and it's very iconic like i know it'll look super dated to younger people in terms of what we could achieve these days uh but yeah, you know, well even at the time you know but see when you say look i'm, I'm gonna go back to my hatred of this face <laughs> okay it's, it's like no no it was it was. <laughs> I, 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 I think they needed to stretch before they reached on this one. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It just. I, they, I, pulled I, a, they pulled a muscle, right? The, yes. I just. I don't know. It's it's a very very like I'm not even really sure why it spins. No, I have no idea. No. Like, like why it isn't just a Wizard of Oz head? Yeah. Which is obviously what they're going for. And again, going back to what I talked about in one of the earlier minutes about how I feel this is a fantasy. Uh, this is fantasy disguised as high tech. Very much so, like yeah. this is definitely like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, except more malevolent, like shouting at people, hovering over the throne room in a very big way. Yeah, and this is uh, like regardless of all like uh, whether it's a pass or a fail, it's it's uh, it's very monolithic. You know, like it's not it's not mind blowingly scary, but it's appropriately godlike. Yeah, you know, and I think that it's uh something that when it when it takes up the whole screen like that you're like whoa do you think as just a thought do you think we've moved past that um in terms of now do you think they'd have given it a face like i i'm not sure they would have back in like the 80s 70s and 80s it was always like well it's a kid's thing we want to have like a talking face on it but i feel now it would have been like a black monitor or uh oh like some something something utterly cold oh uh, well that's depends on what because there was that uh, there's that movie on netflix called i am mother mm -hmm. uh which I, I really i quite enjoyed but it has like a, a cold alien ai in it and i guess you kind of like the hal 9000 like project the face no you know it's it's much more like Hal, like it can speak yeah. to you it doesn't have an avatar but it yeah have like a face with enormous flaring nostrils no and 
yeah, weird little. Well, it also it's the thing of like Galactus representing Galactus in a in a new Fantastic Four movie. It's like how do you make Galactus uh, not look utterly ridiculous? You have to be really careful. They didn't do a Fantastic Four with a nanite cloud, did they? No. No, they like they did one with like he's a cloud. Um, yeah, he's a cloud. He's, he's like a space thing. I've I've seen two updates to Galactus. Which I think kind of work. Again, this yeah. is slightly off, but we're all nerds here. Yeah. Um, one was the Ultimate Universe um, updated yeah. Galactus, where Galactus is a swarm of self-replicating. They're almost like a locust swarm. Sure, yeah. Of of robots who, when they land, they have the kind of shape of his helmet. Okay. Um, but but where his face should be, it's actually more like an insectoid thing. They, yeah. they feel very much like Mass Effect. Yeah, 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 um, and and it's essentially a swarm of the Mass Effect robots um, yeah. pre- predating the game, um, and the other one, which was I don't know if you ever read the John Byrne run on Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, is you, you know, that bit where Galactus is seen by all the aliens, and each of them perceive him like it's tr- it's trying to like comprehend a universal death image. Sure, so sure. They can understand so. Like choose choose the choose the form of the destructor kind of yeah. So the destructor always looks like your race. Yeah. He, you know, like a Cree would see Galactus as blue skinned or yeah, yeah. And the way his, and he has like a vague shape above his head, but you know, it's like humans see it and try to give him armor. Okay. But others, it's like this like massive insects or a huge plant being or something like that. Yeah. Which I always thought was about the best way you could get round a very wacky design yeah i i concur it'll be interesting to see i mean now that the now that they've got the fantastic four that's gonna happen so anyway the mc the mcp is uh red so he's bad according to our western color theory this would be such a strange movie if he was blue like they intended in the first place like he was (laughs) but i could see it like he's this big calming force like a big blue blanket on everyone like you know like a malevolent prophet but like some some enya playing you know some (laughs) reflections i'll just just stop you there that's enough (laughs) walk into the room enya starts scented candles please why why are you doing this to us like some (laughs) some reflections off a swimming pool somewhere throwing light on the old pro and the mcp is just like just relax you know like i think that actually might be a little more sinister right it's actually making me think of the end scene of on a of the death scene in um, Soylent, Southern Green. Oh, you know, so when you go into the chamber yeah, yeah. and you see shots of the way the Earth used to look. Yeah, yeah. And and then you're you're killed. You know, you're, you're injected away, but they play classical music to you, and it's all very calming. And then you turn it into a foodstuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if that if you don't know what Silent Green is, but uh, it, I, I spoiled it for you. But it but it's 50 years ago, so I, I did feel that. The time has passed. When I worked, it's uh, like the Titanic ship sinks. Yeah. When I worked at a video store, a coworker of mine rented Soylent Green, and I was like, ah, ha ha, Soylent Green is people, ha ha ha. And he was like, what are you what are you talking about? And I was like, oh. it's a moratorium on spoilers. So the MCP is looking at Sark, and he says, "I feel a presence, another warrior on the mesa." And I kind of was thinking, doesn't the MCP have cameras out there? But I guess it's also like a little like Star Wars when Darth Vader says, I feel something. 
a presence I've not felt since like, and also in the beginning of the film, the MCP is all like, yes, it felt like Flynn after briefing Dillinger about the capture and execution of Clue. So I guess it's kind of cool. He's so powerful. He's, like, he's all a computer. He's all a camera. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can buy that. He, I can is, buy he is very powerful. He's got his like tendrils everywhere. Oh, I can picture that he, he's, I'm assuming the red energy is not lava, but him. Yeah. But that's why I'm kind of like, why isn't he just like Tron's outside? Why is he like, there's something 10 feet away from me? I'm like, no, dude, well, aren't you? Anyway, but Sark. He's like, I want to give you a surprise. Yeah. (laughs) I want to keep things real for you. There's something outside for you, but I don't want to say what, you know? Yeah. You made you made him sound like the Red Devil from the Powerpuff Girls. But yeah, he's just like a surprise. So Sark, I like that. I like that. He's got a little surprise. Uh, Sark turns around and uh, clip clops out of the frame down to the mesa, and we see David Warner's face in a close up as he is now outside the MCP's housing, and we can hear Tron bellowing Sark in full call out mode. This is the showdown on Main Street at noon. Like Bruce Boxleitner was in a lot of westerns to begin with. So, uh, yeah, he he was uh, his bread and butter was TV westerns for a really long time. So he's got that steely glare of a sheriff, you know, like he there's a really good uh, he tells the story of getting the script to Tron and reading it while he was on the back of a horse with a big fake. And he had it was wearing a big fake mustache in a in a western he's on the back of a horse and he's reading the script for Tron going, I don't get it. I don't get it. He, he said no to begin with, but then now uh, when he heard that, um, when he heard that Jeff Bridges was involved, he said, Oh, okay, I'll, I'll come on. He joined like two, he joined like two weeks before they uh, started was filming. Jeff Bridges already like a thing back then. Like I, I know he done like some earlier stuff. He did, uh, yeah, the last picture show. Heaven can wait. He did it. Well, Heaven can wait was a bit of a bomb, so he was kind of on the on a downslope. But he 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 was a known, uh, a known film, a known actor. Yeah, he was he wasn't he wasn't on the ropes, but he needed he needed a hit. So and he got it right away. He was like, hey, sounds great, computer programs, love it, let's do it. He's the the, <laughs> the one person that everybody says was a hundred percent on board. Got it was into it from day one and he's done a lot of weird stuff come to think of it like Starman and ripd like he doesn't shy away from from weird stuff so it's a more more power to him just cuts to what about ripd i didn't get it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't think anyone got it but they offered me a lot of money (laughs) yeah yeah uh so then we cut to sark's derezzed wireframe carrier crossing the lip of the mcp's volcano top citadel getting closer to the MCP. I guess Tron is doing double duty here, kind of serving as a distraction to the giant cruiser heading straight for the MCP. <laughs> and always kind of like, hey, look at me over here. Okay, look, no, no, throw your disc at me. Again, uh, like it's, I, I said this uh, in the first minute we did together. Yeah. I find it very, very odd that the writing team is like, we need to have Tron, you know, like two guys fight off with discs at the end. They'll have this yeah. like, dramatic, you know, like Western thing. But we also have like, you know, this this vast evil head, and yeah. so we need the main character to fight the head. And yeah. so it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like two wizards fighting while two knights are fighting. Yeah, there's that. There's that. Like yeah. splitting the action in a kind of odd 
very not Marvel Cinematic Universe. Kind it's, of uh, it's not like, yeah. you know, even the beats aren't the same. Like one happens, then the next one happens as opposed yeah. to modern editing, which would like cut between them. Yeah. Like, oh, they're both on the ropes. Oh, they're getting up now. Yeah. Now they're both winning. Yeah, there's a, that's been mentioned a couple times of the of the the duality of the protagonists doesn't is pretty unique. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a weird it's a weird concept. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Karen. Uh, so Flynn jogs back to Yori, saying we're getting closer, and then we cut back to the meat of the scene. Tron and Sark face off on the mesa. Uh, several fissures and chasms are between them, and a few flashes of red light race along the cracks now and then, and the tense silence of their face off like a tumbleweed rolling across the main street between the two gunslingers. And then Sark goes full David Warner here saying, I don't know how you survived slave. It doesn't matter. Prepare to terminate. And we get a shot of Tron looking square jawed and resolute as he sizes up the situation, not even remotely letting Sark's words get to him. When I, when I saw him do this, um, when you, uh, I, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I met Duncan in Edinburgh yeah. years and years ago. Yeah. And uh, I had a friend who used to be an actor, a guy called Paz. Yeah. From Birmingham, and everyone got called like Paz, Daz, Chaz. Paz, oh, okay. That explains that. I, yeah. yeah his, cool. his actual name, I think, was Parumjid. Okay. Everyone in Birmingham was just like, uh, you're Paz. You can't <laughs> yeah. your Indian name. Paz, and he, he used to say there was a joke in acting, which was called Smell the Fart Acting. Oh, okay. You know, which was in someone you, normally they kind of like sort of take a large breath, <laughs> yeah, and they go and then look off to the side. You know, it's yeah. like an elevator scene, and it's like he described the smell of that acting. And to me, he does not look resolute. He looks like someone who's you know, kind of like wind has been broken. Will anyone notice? He yeah, like glance suspiciously from side <laughs> to side. That uh, that <laughs> looks of... forwards. I I think I've pulled it off. I think I've pulled it off. <laughs> okay, I'm in the clear. I'm in the clear. Yes. Now let's fight. <laughs> like there was. Uh, uh, These suits are a bit too tight. I call it. Um, uh, my 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 word for some of that is: Did I leave the oven on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of actors have that like. Did I? You know, the, did that I kind of moment of yeah. I need a pause as I try to remember my lines. Yeah, yeah. Mm, no, but uh, this also. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> uh, this this also reminds me of the scene in Shazam where did you ever see Shazam? Yes. That there's a uh, yeah. I was shocked at how much I liked it. It's a charming movie. I, I I thought the way they did the ending. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it, but where. A lot more happens than I was expecting to. For sure. And I was like, oh, that that's really cool. And pleasantly surprised. And yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool. cool. When they're like two blocks away from each other, and Mark Strong is like, and now is the time when we face off. You thought you can hit a cuss to Shazam, and he's like, Sorry, what? I can't I can't hear you. I'm two blocks away. I can't hear see, you. See, I thought that was brilliant, but I kind of hated it because it was a direct copy of kung fu panda oh like was kung it fu panda did, yeah kung fu panda did that oh, exact gag in kung fu panda geez, they sure did i forgot all about yeah that. where yeah. he lands on a rooftop and yeah. is like shouting at the the white peacock yeah he's like i am a panda and a panda stands between you and blah 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 and then it cuts to him gary Oldman going what <laughs> like, can anyone hear him <laughs> so uh, he's like the people on the boat going eh. <laughs> yeah i forgot about that yeah it's a good gag though i was always like it's a great gag but i wish but you know anyway yeah it is what it is it is what it is 
So uh, Sark draws his disc and flings it at Tron, and I just love the sound design here. What's what's neat is that I never realized that Sark's disc on his first throw loops around behind Tron and then comes back. It circles him before trying to attack. It hits him once, comes back, and hits him twice again. Like, Sark's disc seems to have a little plus two bonus on these attacks. Like, Sark's disc seems to have a little bit of a magic bullet thing going on. His first throw tries to hit Tron twice, and then Tron holds his disc up as a shield both times. Tron throws his disc, and Sark ducks out of the way, throwing his disc again. And this time, Tron needs to block it four times as it swoops around, coming back in for blows again and again. The discs are so menacing, and they sound so cool. Like to me, this is the other uh, definitive scene of Tron. We've got the ring game, the light bikes, uh, maybe the transition into the grid when he gets sucked into the computer, and then this this fight here. I think, like if you want to sh- if you want to show somebody this is Tron, like this is one of those uh, these four scenes for me. What yeah. I think is actually interesting to me. This is uh, purely I. Um, I think I said in an earlier. Uh, podcast i um used to work in 3d effects yeah and it's interesting how like what they could afford and what they couldn't yeah because like not having shadows on the floor yeah is like means everything you see is weightless Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it 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 means they're just like placed against a backdrop and doing like a shadow even a bad one like just a circle yeah. underneath where they just are just a blurry circle yeah just a blurry circle like some shape would ground the characters very heavily but i guess because they're moving so much yeah like they probably were like we can't afford this and there is a lot of motion going on as you say there's a lot of kinetic action you know and you've got these light things swinging around well you know, they do they do uh there's an interesting effect in the beginning when the guards are walking around on top of the cells mm-hmm. they have shadows and all they've done is they've taken the guard and they've flipped it, yeah. and turned it gray and put it and matched up the feet. So you've got this. Uh, you've got this. So, so I'm surprised they didn't carry on doing that. This is an interesting one. It could have been because there's so much like light reflection, yeah, uh, going on, which kind of reminds me of a story. Uh, Snow White. It, it was the woman who worked on Snow White right. went back and added blush okay. on every single cell. Uh, Disney was not convinced that someone could like paint on an effect. Okay. And she went back, painted on blush on every single cell of Snow White's face. Yeah. Because she was like, no, no, she just looks too pale. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so whenever I see that, I'm always like, and it's interesting seeing with Tron, like because there's so much light effect going on. Yeah. You know, it's lasting and it's it's all over the character. Yeah. Um, so just like what they chose to like spend the time on and what they didn't fascinates me. They Well, there must have been a, a real triage in terms of like, what do we what do we sink our time into? Because the amount of effort that went into this movie is quite frankly off the scale. Like the more I read about the behind the scenes, I'm like, this movie should not have been made. This is a this is a an incredible achievement. So to, so so they got to say, like, do we want shadows underneath everybody? That's an extra month. That's two months. That's we can't do it. So I'm sure they decided not to, mm-hmm. because I think they they had the capability to do it. I'm sure it was discussed, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting. It's 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 fascinating watching technology advance. Yeah, like you know, this leads to stuff like Jurassic Park. Um, and Jurassic Park makes certain decisions that all come from this film. 
from stuff they learned initially yeah. doing this film. Yeah. So yeah. Like, that's what kind of makes what the Academy did to this film even more egregious because like the Academy denied them an Academy award. Cause they were like, no computer animation is cheating. Who did it go to? Oh, that year. Good question. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh no, wait, I've got it wrong. Cause the nominees were Blade Runner, Poltergeist and ET the extraterrestrial. And it went to ET. Oh geez. What was it up for? No, it, no, it wouldn't. Oh, that's right. They wouldn't even nominate it. Wow. Because they were like, that is not something that we can nominate you for because computers is just cheating. And then, but, but the amount of hand drawn, uh, effects that went into this film is like, I don't think people know what they were looking for. And it's like later on, they would, you know, yeah. it's like, there's a certain type of filmmaker who still bitterly hates digital. Oh, definitely. And I think that was, they were scared of it. It's like today's, today's filmmakers being scared of Netflix. Like I think they were scared of computers, you know, but I bet the animators on this film that did all the heavy lifting, like, and the hand, hand at it were like, excuse me, you know, cheating using computers. Let me tell you something. You sit down. I got to talk to you about something like they, I know. they must've felt pretty ripped off by that. Well, then we cut to the MCP. Uh, we cut inside to the MCP, sucking the life force out of the Guardians again. And he's going full bad guy now, monologuing as the bad guys are wont to do. He's saying, all programs desire to be useful, but in moments you will no longer seek communication with each other or your superfluous users. And then we cut to DeMont in blind, resigned agony with a blue glowing skeleton again. I wonder if the red programs have glowing red skeletons. That would be cool. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, yeah, here's a in the novel. There's a great description of the MCP here, and it says this is this is this is what they were going for. And stretched across that surface, a convex grotesquerie was the face of the MCP. It gazed down at them with eyes that seemed blind, but saw all. Its visage was an eerie combination of the slack, swollen features of an idiot with those of a shrewd, malicious demon spirit. It was a bloated apparition that knew it was such, willed itself to be so, and used that appearance. So it's trying to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like... It didn't. It didn't come across, but that's what was. No, I, I don't think it came across. I think that like it feels like it was going a bit 1984 meets like oh, yeah. his illustrations. Oh yeah, 1984 is a great call there. There's a definite Big Brother. You know, yeah, is watching you. Screen wide oh. face. Yeah, screen screen face. But it's just like it was just the roundness. It's like someone when they were designing it went, oh, but there needs to be. It's a computers there's going to be a spinning thing well there's also like a tower like the, the like a valve or yeah like a, like a motor inside the computer it's also like the the housing of one of the original cray computers mm-hmm. was a circle was a tower and it had a one section of the pie was missing so that you could walk inside it was like a like a like a, a donut or like a tube right so you could go technicians could go inside it to fix the back of it or the inside of it, but uh, but that's that's what that's what it was. It was kind of it was kind of modeled after that. It's supposed to be this giant this giant computer tower. I I, I think it's an interesting one because I, I've mentioned this in like every single minute I've I've been involved with. I've, I've yeah. kept on coming back to this. Oh, oh my god, that column. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think it's a really good example of like 
when you do visual stuff or when you when you do any form of art music uh when you do a podcast when you put stuff together there is certain things you can do and certain things which are almost too much of a stretch yeah for what you have yeah and it's what's often very bad is you often get um, a lot in the 80s and 90s people like want to make a sci-fi film or a superhero film but they wouldn't have the computer technology to really pull it off yeah so it would look really bad they'd just be like oh well, we can't do a dwarf so let's just find a short guy yeah um find a giant eg let's find someone like you duncan yeah um you know we'll, we'll get like people who can't fight but that'll be enough we'll just film it from the right angles yeah and it, it, it and it isn't because yeah. it, it looks really bad and i think where tron works really really well and i think even in you know, looking over three minutes, you can definitely see moments where you're like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Like the like the visualization was something they could do and even stretching like the like the ship coming apart. Yeah. Works really, really well. Um it's a very cool image. The as you say, the discs fighting works really well. But that was almost like a step too far. Yeah. And so yeah. it's one yeah. of those ones that's kind of like Oh, that's jarring. And unfortunately, it's the bad guy. Unfortunately, there's there's an it's an anchor. It's a real linchpin and a real anchor in the film. And that well, was well, just uh, that. like a flip of an example. Is uh, do you remember Legend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, Legend has a great bad guy. Wonderful. Like the rest of the film is kind of garbage. Yeah, sure. But and, and he can't really walk in that. No. He's basically just attached to a chair. I, I don't know how he was able to keep his head upright. The people. thing, yeah, the thing weighed a lot. Apparently, it weighed a tremendous amount. Yeah, but they, they were able to kind of go, we can just film you still, and you will be amazing. Uh, yeah. Another example which springs to mind is probably the best example is Apocalypse Now. Okay. You know, um, I don't know if you've like read about the making of it. Oh yeah. You know when when uh, Marlon Brando turned up, they were expecting like young Brando. Yeah, and they got this like elderly fat man, or or, or not elderly, but middle-aged, very very overweight man. Yeah, and so initially he was going to be this like dynamic, you know, heroic guy, and then, you know, they were like, well, maybe we can make you like this corpulent, you know, you're just like slovenly, and and Marlon Brando, who, whatever he said, was very proud, was like, no, <laughs> that's not good. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to look awful on screen. Yeah. I'm leaving. And so he ended up going, what if I just film you all in darkness with this yeah. sliver of light kind of lighting up the sweat which he put on. We'll just monologue. You can talk and we'll always film you like in shadow. And so that's a great example of like knowing when to pull back Yeah, and go, what can we do? If like the CPU had just been this like black room with a light going in it yeah, you know, and, and like a sound wave which spoke which I imagine yeah. would be doable. I suspect it would have had a lot of impact as opposed to that where you go, oh, oh, yeah. this is spinning column. Yeah. Yeah. Or even another actor. Yeah. Right. So someone appears or a, a red version of him or something. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, but but it, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And they, they you know, they, they, they flew too close to the sun on this particular creative decision, but they tried, you know? <laughs> Uh, and anyway, in here it's um, in the screenplay. It's Sark that takes Dumont and throws him against the wall like wet spaghetti as the first to be executed. Okay. He doesn't just fly by with a with a magic push of MCP power. And the MCP is searching through Dumont's program, deciding what it wants to keep 
and what it wants to throw away. That's so, a nice touch. Other guardians are fading from existence as this is happening. And he's saying, programs, you're participating in the history of the system, of all systems, an entity with a will, with ambition, a superior form of life. So it's going all sort of master race on the system. And it's not without merit, but uh, but like... What was the... That's what the... Like the what was that? No, 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 I'm just saying, what was the year? I was thinking of like computer superminds that uh, War Games came out. A writer, writer, I think it was the, the next year. So it was that same kind of like, what if computer becomes software? Yeah, there's a bunch of AI stuff. Yeah, 83. War Games is 83. Joshua, Joshua. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, like, if an entity, I mean, I don't know. We've talked about it a lot because a lot of this is basically the birth of an AI and, uh, you know, like this one thing I have trouble believing in movies is as soon as the AI gets into the net and then and then they defeat it, I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, like that's, <laughs> it's, it's over. Like, it's over. Like, whatever. We, we better start using rocks and sticks again because we can't use technology anymore. See, you I, know? I, again, I, I always feel that, that that is a story which gets used too often. You know, like Did I you ever read any of the... Um... Uh, what's his name? Ian M. Banks, sci-fi. Oh yeah, culture, so, the culture stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, the culture stuff's really interesting because I, I would love to see a show or a TV. Uh, for those who don't know it, uh, Ian M. Banks was a Scottish writer uh, who sadly died far too early, and no he did, kidding, man. Um, he did magic early. realism um, series under the name Ian Banks, and his sci-fi series. Um, was under a name Ian M. Banks. Interesting. Um, like the, you would classify the Wasp Factory and those other novels. Yeah, as, as, definitely as, call magic realism. Well, okay, cool. I can see um, that, sure. Yeah, and in the um, in his books, it was primarily about like a, a a sort of like a Star Trek Federation culture, but more advanced. Like a lot of things that Star Trek only hints at that this thing called the culture has done you know they can postpone aging they yeah. no one needs to work blah, blah 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 and the reason why it exists and it's the most powerful you know segment of the galaxy by miles yeah um and the the reason it works is because at some point humanity have handed over control over their society to ais yeah and the ais are essentially act like benevolent gods yeah that that they are they they look at plans like thousands of years into the future, yeah. but part of their coding is, you know, it's not like I'm out and I'm going to kill humans. Yeah, it's we, you know, us, like you know, in the way that we want to look after pets. Yeah, you know, we want to make sure that things are okay, and they're like, you are obviously incapable of running the world. Yeah, because you just don't think long term enough. You don't plan, but we can make sure like all of you are fed. Yeah. All of you have all of you can postpone death. And part of it, the part, yeah, part humanity of, is like, oh God, sign us up. Yeah, this is true. amazing. Uh, and nothing great. bad happens. Sounds yeah, great. Like, you know? yeah. And AIs do not turn on humans. There isn't like some sinister plot. It's like that's the way the world works. And it's yeah. quite good. It's just part of the setting. There's not there wasn't what there wasn't a plot, I don't think, where no. uh the they they the, the hegemony got together and, and, and tried to take out the humans or whatever. Which, which I liked. I would like to see more of that. Yeah, I'd like Rather to see more. The assumption that. that it will become hostile. Well, it's this thing about power. Uh, power corrupts, 
right? So you think that if somebody has control over the world, they will immediately turn into a despot or a tyrant. I'm like, that might be, that might be true of a human, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable attributing that automatically to an AI. It's, it's, it's classic sci-fi. I mean, did you ever see those the series of like caveman sci-fi cartoons? No. They like have a look for them on Google. They're fantastic. It's essentially like cavemen sci-fi, and someone's like, you know, cavemen's starting a campfire, yeah. and like other cavemen appear and go, you know, you meddle with things you do not understand. You try right. to play God, and he's like, no, we make fire. Then the world is on fire. He goes, we play God. It's <laughs> 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 always so like you know, actually making like a stone tool. And they're like, no, you have made stone tool too sharp. He goes, no, I make, I advance, I make sharp object. Then the world cracks in half. Right. <laughs> goes, yeah. We, we played God. We made tool too sharp. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that's really good. That's really good. That really, yeah, that really underlines the flaws in a lot of science fiction for sure. It's like all of this stuff is bad, you know? It's like, why? You know, it's like, well, you you just like, you know, postpone death. Something inevitably bad will happen. Or you could just live a long time. Yeah, yeah. And it would be fantastic. Well, there's that like, you've made things too easy. You know, it's like, well, yeah, but we've made some things easy, but a lot of stuff is still hard. You know, I, I don't... Like being, being human is hard. Yeah. But if you look at our... Of like us as a species we i think the the vast majority of us would rather live now than 500 years ago sure alone 2000 years ago we might want to visit for like you know with body armor and some body <laughs> yeah. like five minutes if i was the doctor who i'd be like we need guns yeah. a lot of guns yeah. and some some mercenaries the spartans look pretty scary yeah can you make um, my face bulletproof and can i have nine <laughs> pistols yeah. and i would like to be immune to the black plague <laughs> please this is very, please. very very important it was around uh, anyway though um sorry that was, that was a tangent at the end but i've been taking a lot of those yeah it's okay uh but i mean this sort of what because this the the MCP at least in the screenplay is really bent on giving free will or, or or he has free will and he wants everybody to follow his they don't he doesn't want to give everybody free will but he thinks he's he's really amazing because he had that he well he he has free will he thinks he's this is the birth of a free will program because he was taught to seek out and absorb stuff independently so that's what he's doing and he's he's hit a critical mass where he is now a decision maker so he's he's boots he's, he's like he's bootstrapping himself up to the level of of uh free will but that's what the users bring to the grid right they bring free will and hope to the grid um so that's why they like that's the the central theme here the, the one of the points that steven lisberger said was that ram and tron would have kept playing the games until they died they never would have broken free because their programs wouldn't have allowed them to break free. It's Flynn going, hey, let's get out of here. That makes them go, oh, I guess that's an option. Okay. You know, and that's not, it's not super clear, but that's what they, that's what they bring to the, to the grid. It's not so much his superpowers, his like deus, deus ex user powers, but this, that he has free will, which is kind of confusing because all the programs seem to have free will of some kind they seem to be making choices it's like it's it sounds like one of those ideas that works in someone's like headcanon yeah but in reality it doesn't actually match the direction of the film doesn't come across in that regard yeah Uh, again it it is a fantasy film that's why it it plays out yeah sci-fi films it plays out as a standard film right a savior has arrived but you know 
Conan has turned up, or you know, like an Earth human has crashed. Flash, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and he will save us all. Definitely. But uh, that brings us up to the end of minute eighty-four. Um, it's been fantastic having you on here. It's been really nice talking to you. I hope you've yeah, had a good been time. Fantastic, man. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate you inviting me to Bubble for yeah. a couple of hours. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, I would like that. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, check out more at TronologicallySpeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at TronologicallySpeaking or send us an email at TronologicallySpeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Uh, go on over to the moviesbyminutes.com. Pay special attention to the Star Wars Minute because they started it all. And uh, if your favorite movie isn't there on the long list, which it probably is, but if it isn't, then consider doing this yourself. It's a really fun way to do a deep dive on something, and it's a really cool community, I find. Do you want to try a little end of a final end of line on three? I, I will try a final okay. end of line. All right. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line. Perfect.